Mother's Day is always uh, sensitive with me. I lost my mother about 14 years ago and my dad about 21 years ago now. It seems like yesterday. It just seems like they were here just the other day. Um, at night sometimes I'll tell my wife, why don't you tuck me in, kiss my cheek, and tell me good night, Billy. Oh, don't roll your eyes. Don't roll your eyes on me. I, I, nothing wrong with that. I said, you know, you're not my mother, but you can substitute for her. And some of you women feel like you're your husband's mother, amen? Just starting trouble already. Appreciate the bus ministry. I saw 40, 40 on Wednesday, on Wednesday night for a while. That's big. We had just as many come on Wednesday night almost as we had this morning come. That's 81 kids are given the gospel in totality. Pray for the bus ministry. We're having a paradigm shift in America. America's moving around. Their demographics and belief systems are continually in flux. They're continually moving. Nothing stays the same. Everything continues to change. So the group we're picking up now is a whole lot different than the group 42 years ago, I can tell you that. And they have a different system of belief, and they don't maybe view the church, the local church, like they used to. But we're out there after them anyway. We're still going door to door to try to tell people that Jesus saves, and I hope you can help us in that this summer. We're going to go through June. Now, first, I believe it's a, there's two Sundays in June that we're going to be doing a mass calling for vacation Bible camp, and we really need you to come out. We'll make it more known as we go. You say, what do you preach? What do you preach on Mother's Day? What do you do? This is my 32nd, this is my 30th Mother's Day in a row that I've preached. My 30 Mother's Days in a row. I've preached everything. I, I've said everything there is to say about moms. Let's go home. I mean, I've really just about said everything I know to say in the Bible about mothers uh, already 30 times. A lot of times speak about one subject. I've preached on the power of women. There is no, there's a, no, I can't believe women want power in the United States. They already got it all. 80% of the United, I read one somewhere that 80% of the real estate in America is owned by women. And they're fighting for that extra 20%, I guess. I don't, as soon as we die, they get it. And men die before women. And God did that for you girls. Give you a little free time. When I die, my wife's going to, at my funeral, put free at last. We're probably a t-shirt where it's free at last. She's in Indiana right now, up visiting her brother. His wife died ahead of him, which is unusual. His wife died ahead of him uh, through uh, dementia, some bad thing. But he's a born-again Christian. Got saved later in life. She got saved later in life and knew Christ her Savior, but... A woman's up there. I called her this morning. I didn't wish her a happy Mother's Day because yeah, she's not my mama. But I did text, I did call her son and mentioned it to him. Be a great idea, but he always does good. He does good on that. I want to talk to you about uh, something from my home life, the way I was raised. Now, people are raised differently. I had a good mom and dad. I had a mom and dad that got saved, 33 years old. My dad was in World War II. 
He was amazed that he even survived World War II. He was on Tinian, Saipan, and Okinawa, a year and a half in combat, and uh, didn't have a scratch, didn't get a scratch. It was amazing. He was amazed. It was a miracle. And he always felt that, and he was unsaved during that whole time. Had he died during that time, he would not have gone to heaven. He got saved 33 years old, which was even more astounding. It was after that that he got born from above. So he was always grateful that he got saved and got rescued by God Almighty and had mercy upon him. And so I had a great dad, great mom. My mom was a tomboy. There was no transgender. There are women that are a little tougher than others. There's some feminine. There's some girly girls. And then there's some tomboys. There's some, there's some movement. You know, my mom taught me how to throw a baseball, catch a baseball. I mean, she, was, she was, uh, worked in the fields uh, picking asparagus at, at 13 years old, 25 cents a day, stuff like that. Walked to school five miles uphill both ways. <laughs> she was a tough girl. But she, she was tender. I believe you can be tough and tender. She was, there was a sweet side of her. I, we're definitely looking forward to seeing her again. But I want to eat, eat. I want to talk about a phrase that she said to me so much. She said, Bill, Billy, eat what I give you. Eat what I give you. Our parents taught us that we, after we had eaten all that was given to us and cleaned our plate, if we did that, we would get dessert. But you would never get dessert if you didn't eat everything that they dished up on your plate. My mother never asked me, and my mom and dad never asked me whether I wanted or liked what they dished up. They just dished it up. They were in authority, they were, they were the wise ones, and they dished up what was good for you, whether you realized it or did not realize it, it was good for you, and whether you liked it or did not like it. Now, we're in a feely, touchy generation, and, we, and, and you, we, this generation definitely needs this principle I'm going to talk about from the Bible today. Eat what God gives you or you're not going to get dessert. One of my pet irritations, would you like to know? One of my pet irritations in life, that is going to a restaurant, watching a family of three, four kids come in, and they allow the children to order anything they want off the menu. When I went to a restaurant, my dad told me how much I could spend. I had a ceiling on it. He had a dollar and a half. He said, you can spend a dollar and a half, eat anything you want, but don't go over a buck and a half. And sometimes they would tell you, you're going to eat this and you're going to eat that, even if it got more restrictive than that. But I was just happy to eat. I was just, I was just like, okay, whatever you say, you got the money, and, you know, he who had the gold makes the rules, and do it. What are we going to eat? So I see them come in, these three kids, they get the menu, and they start ordering. And they order these expensive meals, $20 meals. They over-order. They order sometimes food's not even good for them, junk food. Parents sit there like they're numb. When the food's brought, oh, I don't like that. And they stick their noses up and hold their nose, and they pick at their food, and they don't really eat their food. And maybe leave a... Uh, they may eat a third of their hamburger or their cheeseburger if they get one, 
And uh, then after they leave, leave about you know half of their food or more on the table and don't finish it, just eat a few fries and a couple bites of a hamburger, mom and dad say, what would you like for desserts, sweetheart? Well, this time my blood pressure docs about 180 over 120. And I already took three blood pressure pills right before I saw them come in. Why does this bug me? I'll tell you why. Because this type of behavior misrepresents life and teaches the child that in life you get what you want. And, if you, and all of you know this already. You do not get what you want in this life. You get what God dishes out on your plate. Some of you want hair. But God dished out on your plate, no hair. Some of you didn't want to turn gray. But God dished out on your plate at 30 years old, some of you turned gray. Uh, There's all kinds of lists I could go down. Some of you wanted to be lean, mean, fighting machine, and it's obvious that didn't happen. (laughs) Maybe my last sermon, I don't know. The very essence of the Christian life really is opposite, opposite of you get what you want or, or that you do what you want. I mean, if you, if you know anything about the Bible and what Jesus talked about in the Gospels and, and what he mentioned about his servants and who they are and what they would do, he said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. That's, that's not doing what you want or eating what you want. That's doing what your master gives you. And, and being happy about it, by the way. Uh, oh, I like Miss Miley when she said, obedience is not obedience if it's not done with a good attitude. Ooh, that's good words, man. We're teaching our first graders that. Obedience is not just obeying and being mad about it. That's not obedience. Obedience is obeying and being glad about it, even if it isn't your idea. And that's what we try. We start right off with K3, K4, K5, 1, 2, 3, 4, and we start teaching the principles of the Word of God to help them. We don't want kids that just know how to make a living. We want children that know how to live, know how to be uh, right with God and have a perspective of life. So the Bible speaks a lot about things that we are to do that we don't want to do. Paul said in Galatians 6.14, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world's crucified unto me, and I'm under the world. And so the life of Christ and living for Christ is not a mentioned as a cakewalk. Um, to give you an illustration about this principle, I've mentioned this before in other sermons because I, I can't get away from it. From fourth to sixth grade, I went to Oslo Elementary in Elkhart, Indiana. And Oslo Elementary was a rundown, ragged out, 100 year old building, two story building. Probably should have been torn down prior to us using that building when I got to it. But the desks that we got, instead of going into a nice classroom with nice desks, a freshly painted room, we went into a dark room that had old uh, stain that turned black and uh, it was clean. 
and the desk had been carved on by hundreds of children ahead of us, and they, they opened, you know, but they made a lot of noise when they opened. They were, and they were rough looking, and you went in there, and I, I was a sensitive child. And, and I, I was real sensitive to, to things around me. I still have the same gift I had then, which is a, a gift of observation. I will notice stuff that a lot of people don't notice. And I'll see things that other people walk right by. And so with that personality, I walk in that room, and I'm looking at this, looking at that, looking at this, looking at this, and I become depressed immediately. This is terrible. And uh, Lord, have mercy. I went through tough I know you don't care, but I went through tough years then. And so to even make it harder, I went into the lunchroom. And uh, the people that cooked for us uh, looked like they got out of the Marine Corps last year. I mean, they were tough-looking people. These women that cooked for us, they were tough-looking girls. And so they just, uh, and by the way, canned peas. We're talking about peas that have been in cans for years. I think they were post-World War II food. And they brought them peas out, and they would take them cans, and they were been in the cans where they had gotten mushy, you know, they're, they're, and they were, they were uh, we ate cafeteria style, so they would, the girls never ask you, do you want peas when I would go by with my tray. You know, you have about four, I think there was four compartments on the tray, if I remember right. And we would go by this with our, with our had a little slide thing, you know, you go by, and this girl here, she'd look at you, Take that. And when I came to the peas, I tried to I tried to bump the guy ahead of me and get by it. And the girl said, So, Sonny, stop. Come back here. No, I, I don't like peas. She said, Peas are good for you. I thought, oh. I'd go sit down, I'd eat the food. And the food generally was good food. Great food, really. Good food overall. And uh I was, hate, I was uh, thankful for it, but I was pretty not thankful for the cold peas. And, and so I would take a mouthful of the cold peas, and the gag reflex would kind of begin to come up on me, and I would wonder whether I was going to, you know, throw them things up. I was holding my mouth and trying to, because it was just mental, you know. And I ate me a, another spoonful, and all those kids finished all their meals around me. When he got done with the playground, he got to go, or when he got done with the eating, he got to go to the playground. Now, what kid in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade doesn't want to go to the playground, man? This was big. So all these kids were up and up and up and up, and I'm the last guy at the table, and I, I got one thing left, that's them cold peas. My teacher would walk around table to table, policing us to make sure that we ate everything out of that tray. That tray had to be clean to put it away. You didn't take a bunch of food dumping in the trash, God forbid. If you dumped that thing in the trash, they would bring you back into the line, put the stuff on your plate, and set you down and watch you one-to-one make sure you ate your food. That was public school. And they spanked us. And so... We got down to the place where about everybody was going to the cafeteria, you know, and I had a few not much left on there, and I'd go to the trash can and try to look around, nobody watching, you know. Go to the trash can, and they'd, they'd say, oh, oh, hey, Sonny, you go back there, sit down, and eat them, and that's two spoonfuls of peas. I mean, I don't want to eat them. He said, you're going to eat them. They're good for you. They'll put muscle on you. And you see how tall I grew. 
Why did those old girls do that? Why did they do that? They were trying to teach me a life principle. I'm serious, it's a heart attack. They were trying to teach me to do the right thing, not what I wanted to do. Now, if you, want, if you left here this morning and you could implement that in your life, it will change your life for the better. Don't do what you want to do. Do what's right to do. And they were my authority, and they had knowledge I didn't have, and they told me to eat them things, and I, I was going to eat them or die. And they were, they, were, they were real, real specific about what they wanted to do, but they were teaching me a life principle. And that's an that's introduction to our text in Ezekiel, if you can find the book, Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 8. Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 8. But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. That's God speaking. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house, talking about the house of Israel. Book of Ezekiel written to a rebellious house, the house of Israel, children of God. And this is what I want to emphasize and try to go out with, hopefully something to help you this morning. Open thy mouth and eat what I give thee. Isn't that what it says? God's saying to the children, to, 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 uh, to Ezekiel, Thou son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Open thy mouth and eat what I give thee. The old evangelist years ago said, Don't sing where he leads me, I will follow. If you don't, if you don't believe, if you don't, what he feet, if you don't believe the I'm going to get this out if it kills me. The old evangelist used to say, don't sing where he leads me, I will follow. If you, can't, if you don't believe in what he feeds me, I will swallow. There's a lot of troubles with born-again believers today that God didn't dish up on their plate what they thought he should have dished up. That makes you the authority, by the way. If you begin to judge God for what he does in your life, then you are his authority. That would be like me telling them women in the kitchen, you don't know what you're talking about. Those peas aren't good for me. That food you're dishing up is not good for me. They said, we're the authority. We're much older than you. We've got wisdom. Eat what I give to you. God simply brings things down to his most simple denominator. Uh, God brings something up to you, and each one of us, he has dished something out on our plate different than most people. Generally the same, but individually different. God has just things out for you. And so we don't want to, we, we love to get up there and oh, where he leads me, I'll follow. Where he leads me, I'll follow. Don't sing that. If what he feeds me, I'll swallow. The situation in life that he gives me, I'm willing to accept it without bitterness. See, if you're mad at God, you're not obeying. You're not obeying, really. One of most, this is one of the most common problems I see among Christians. They know the will of God. They understand the Bible. They know the future. They even know what God's going to do in the future. They know what's right, generally speaking, if they've been saved for a while. But they, they have trouble in making themselves do the part of the will of God they do not like. I don't like coming to the church. God says, do it. Forsake not yourselves gathering together. 
if you, if the, one of the most simple base things that happens when you become a new believer is God says, I want you to go to my house, the local church, and I want you to hear the preaching of the Bible, and I want you to get to know God's people because this is a support group. Church is group therapy, and you don't have to pay for it. Group therapy. We get together as a group. We help each other. And once in a while, we offend each other, amen? But that helps us because then we learn how to ask forgiveness, and we learn how to forgive other people. It's all good. And we hear the Bible. We're encouraged to do the right thing. If you think about Ezekiel's setting in this chapter 2, Ezekiel was chosen by God while he was in exile. His ministry was from about 605 B.C. To, from 580 to 586. His message was to remind the captives there in, in Babylon why they had lost everything. He said to him in Ezekiel 3.7, he says, But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, because he sent them, God sent them to. He sent Ezekiel to tell the children of Israel some hard stuff. It was not a great ministry or a ministry Ezekiel even wanted to do, but it was what God dished out on Ezekiel's plate and said, this is what I got for you. You're going to go to the children of Israel in captivity under judgment for the rebellion against me, and you're going to tell them why they're there. He says, uh, I'm going to send you to the house of Israel, but they're not going to hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel is imp impudent and hard-hearted. I looked up the word rebellious. Over 17 times he tells Ezekiel, this is a rebellious people I've sent you to. The, Ezekiel had a job nobody wanted. A job with contention and disagreement. A job that was full of controversy. A job that he received no amount of lauding or praise or thankfulness. But it was God's job for him. Folks, if we only do the jobs we like to do, there's going to be a whole lot of jobs undone. There's somebody over there in the nursery right now taking care of your sweet children. Uh, there are people in junior church and uh, through third grade over there taking care of the children. There's people in junior worship from fourth to sixth grade taking care of them people, putting it in their, on their level and giving them the gospel and helping them. There's youth group. People doing that. There's bus ministry. Folks got up early this morning, got a bus meeting at 8 o'clock, went up in the bus, pick them up, and after we're all gone and out eating and stuff, they're going to be delivering those kids back home. And, it's, and by the way, it may be okay to do that January, February, March, but uh, June, July, and August is a whole, nother, a whole nother thing when it gets really hot down here and humid. You get in them buses with a bunch of kids, when it's 95 degrees, it's like a steamboat. You don't have to go to the steam room. You just get on the bus ministry in the summertime when it's raining. I like it when it rained. And the water was on the inside of the bus, not the outside of the bus. I did a bus ministry in Elkhart, Indiana, and in the wintertime, 17 below zero sometimes, and we had to scrape the ice off the inside of the bus from the humidity. It would freeze on the windows. couldn't see out. Somebody's got to go get them boys and girls. God gives jobs to different people, and not everybody has the same job. I get it. But boy, oh boy, what a sad case it is when God gives you something you don't want to do, and you go, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I, I, you know, it doesn't make me happy. 
All I can tell you is the same thing that God told Ezekiel, eat that which I give thee. It's God, God that knows best. Open thy mouth and eat what I give thee, he said. God may have dealt you in life a hard hand, according to your say. You may think he's dealt you. I've had people tell me that. Preacher, I got a bad hand. This is a poker game of life, and I got a bad hand dealt to me. You may have suffered 20, 30, 40 years in a job that's relatively thankless and hard or maybe dreary, but you know it was God's job for you. I thank God for factory workers that get up and go to work in the dark and come home in the dark and every day do the same function. They put something on the, on the assembly line every day. That's why we've got vehicles we can drive around, and that's why we've got clothes we can wear, because somebody's got to do those hard jobs. We're living in a day that all the people want, want, a, want a job they don't get sweaty in. They want to be in air conditioning. Well, who's going to build the houses? Who's going to do the plumbing? Who's going to do the electrical work? Who's going to lay the carpet? Who's going to do the ceramic? Who's going to paint the building? Who's going, to, who's going to fix the cars? Those are not it. I think you young people and the people in, uh, young people in my voice, don't hunt for the cush job, the easy job. Hunt for God's job. God, what do you want me to do? How have you gifted me? And he may put you in as an auto mechanic and your fingernails never are clean. But if that's God's job for you, man, you're sitting on a throne. Doing exactly and fulfilling exactly God's purpose for you. They're having an employment shortage all over the United States. It's not because we don't have the people to work. It's that we got people who don't want to work. We're talking about shipping in people from South America and bringing them in and having them do our dirty work. God forbid. What has happened to us? The average young person wants to be an executive and a manager and a supervisor and a uh, some cush job that, by the way, those cush jobs only come after you've really worked hard for 20, 30, 40 years. They don't promote you up that when you're 20 years old. If they do, they sh quickly find out they made a mistake. <clears throat> Open thy mouth and eat what I give you, God said. You may be in here with a You've had a rough go with a husband for 30, 40, 50 years. Or you maybe have had a wonderful husband 30, 40, 50 years. And death took him away or maybe a horror of divorce. You find that God has a new and unpleasant life for you. Widowhood or widower or widow. All I can tell you is do what Ezekiel did. He ate what God gave him and was thankful for it. Open thy mouth and eat what I give thee, the Bible says. Some of you in here may have contracted some disease, some malady that's unpleasant and painful daily. It causes you some inconvenience. But you know who controls life and death. You know that it came from the hand of God. I believe that we trust God and we serve him and everything he gives us, every decision we make is, is God's moving in our life. I've seen people suffer for years and years and years and years. I knew a woman, Bernice Naudruff, whose husband, when she would come to church on Sunday night, he, 
I would see Bernice, good to see you. And she said, well, when I go home, he's going to beat me. I know right off the bat, some of you women are thinking, I can't believe she stayed with him. My grandmother was that kind of woman. She stayed with an alcoholic husband who kept her in poverty and had eight children through her with no money, drunk, spent what money they had on it. He'd come home, get drunk, lay on the floor. She stuck with that old boy, raised those kids, kept her house clean. She didn't have anything, but what she had was clean. And she kept being a faithful woman to that man. And at 60 years old, he got born again. He quit drinking, got born again. And for the last next 19 years, he lived for Jesus. That's what, who I'm named after, William J. Lytell, my grandpa. And I was able to have a grandma and grandpa that stayed together their whole life through thick and through thin. Why? Why did she do that? Why did she do that? Because she ate what God gave to her. When you get up there and take your vows, it's not vows to people who don't care. It's vows to a God that does care. Through better or worse, sickness and health, rich or poor, till death do us part means something. Listen, if you get married and don't believe that, don't take those vows. The Bible says better not to swear than to swear and break it. Our God's no fool. Eat, that I give thee, the Bible says. You want to be like Ezekiel? Most people say, well, to be Ezekiel? He made the Bible. He ate what God gave him. You want to be like Jeremiah called the weeping prophet? 20 different, 20 different major troubles he had in his life. You want to be like him? He made the Bible. Well, you got to eat what God gives you. You want to be like uh, Peter? Oh, the apostle Peter, man. Peter, James, and John, he's famous. He's phenomenal. Well, he was hung upside down at his death because of his stance for Jesus. He ate what God gave him. You want to be like Paul? Whew. Maybe the greatest Christian never walked the planet. Paul the apostle said, I'm the chief of sinners. So he never said I was a great Christian. He said, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the, I'm the less of the least of all the Gentiles. He said, that's me. You want to be like Paul? Well, brother, if you know much or anything about Paul, he ate what God dished out for him. You want to be like Elijah who suffered alone and said there's nobody else, just me. I'm the only independent fundamental Bible-believing Baptist left. God said, no, there's 7,000. They haven't bowed the knee. Well, you got to eat what God gave you. You want to be like Joseph? Oh, I want to be like Joseph. Man, he's nothing bad. Nothing bad is said about Joseph in the Bible. Nothing bad is said about Daniel in the Bible, but that's about the only two people I know of. You want to be like those boys? Do you? Mm. I can tell you one thing about them. They ate what God gave them. They ate what God gave them without bitterness and were thankful and everything do what? Give thanks. Oh, that's easy to remember. That's easy to quote. That's easy to speak. But brother, in real life, that is a rough, rough verse. If everything, I've said the story over, and I'm sorry to bore you with the same stuff, but I don't have anything else. 
25 years of migraines. Towards the end of that, it took almost 20 years before I learned this. 20 years of migraines before I learned to begin to thank God every time I had a migraine. It took me 20 years. That's stubborn. I said, God, thank you for this migraine. It must be for my good because you're a good God and you never do anything but what's not for my good. But that doesn't mean everything I'm going to have is going to be easy. Everything's going to come up roses. I'm just going to eat what you give me. And that old girl back in that cafeteria, Oslo Elementary, didn't realize how good she was giving me that lesson. And when I began to thank God for those migraines, they went away. Miraculously, unexplainably, they went away. I may have one tomorrow, but up to this point, it's been years now since I really had migraines. Glory to God, hallelujah, for all your migraine stuff. I had to gout. God dished up gout for me for 25 years. I was so bad off, I couldn't, I had to have crutches often. I told my wife I need to get a wheelchair at the house and build ramps because I don't think I'm going to be able to move around the house anymore. And right when it got that bad, as I began to thank God for it, he took it away. I thought, man, had I known this, I'd have begun to thank God the first year I had it, amen. First year I got it, I'd say, Lord, thank you for this gown. Thank you for the gown. Thank you for migraines. And I got other maladies you don't even want to know about. And God's given me all these different maladies to teach me, to help me, to give me some compassion and some empathy. All I can tell you, you, is let me finish with this one thought. When you eat what God gives you and you have a thankful heart, guess what you get? Dessert. You get dessert, people. I remember Marty Moon, God bless him. I miss the old boy. I loved working with him. Marty Moon was a happy soul. You'd bring him into a restaurant, and if you were down a little bit, he'd bring you up. He'd bring you up. Marty would bring your spirits up. How would he do it? We'd take him over to Ted Montana's, and they got the, don't go there this afternoon, please, but they, they got the best milkshakes on planet Earth. I mean, Agendas with uh, real vanilla, probably Haitian vanilla, and some, uh, oh, I never can remember the other thing they put in there. But anyway, they put this other secret formula thing in there, some of the best I've ever had. And we'd bring old Marty over there when we were down a little bit. We'd say, Marty, have you a haagen milkshake? He'd start laughing. He'd just start giggling. <laughs> He'd start laughing. And all through eating that, all through drinking that, He'd eat the meal real quick, and we'd get the haagen milkshake, and we'd sit there, and we'd have our little dessert. And that's the way it is with God. That's the way it is with him. What happened to Ezekiel? Let's go to the Bible. What happened to Ezekiel? Ezekiel ate what God gave him with a good spirit. And what happened to Ezekiel? Heaven opened up to Ezekiel. He got to look in heaven. He saw the angels around the throne of God. Now, this just comes out of the book. He was filled with the spirit of God. Uh, he was showing the new heavenly temple in the new Jerusalem. Now, that's, a, that's some dessert, brother. He was able to see the Dead Sea live. That's future. Uh, he saw the crystal river flowing out of God's throne. Only, the only other person the Bible saw that was John the Apostle. Uh, he, he, got, he saw the gates and the city of the New Jerusalem. Now, for my dear beloved brethren, that's some dessert. 
But he would not have been able to have those great things and phenomenal things from God had he not obeyed what God gave him when it was rough and tough and when it was no glory. And nobody's taking your hand and thanking you for what you're doing for him. But you're just quietly, honestly doing the will of God in the background without glory. And you're doing tough jobs that nobody else wants, but it's the job God gave you to do. And you're going to do it with all your heart. You're going to be a thankful employee. And, a, and you're going to be the best employee you can possibly be to the, whoever you work for. This goes bigger than just coming to church and doing things around here. This goes at your work every day. Brother, your employer ought to say, I'm glad to have so-and-so working for me. He's a Christian. We Christians can probably win our bosses a lot faster by doing our job the best we possibly can with a good attitude than by giving them a gospel track. You want to know why they look at that gospel track and throw it in the garbage? Because so many Christians have had the wrong attitude about what God gave them. And all they did was, meh, 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 meh. Complain, complain. God didn't dish out on my plate what I wanted. All I can tell you, like them old girls, eat your peace. Our Heavenly Father, help us this morning to get it, to remember it. May the Holy Spirit help us in every direction here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.